Good afternoon, LDB. I am Chris Schutzer. I am here uh, with my regular podcasting crew. I've got Sean Cree and Sean, say hi. Hey, everybody. I also have Michael Becker. Michael, say hi. What's up, fellas? Or should I say it's Bill Becker today? I'm not. Sure. <laughs> uh, we're, stealing we're... stealing uh, dad's Zoom pro account. So thank you, Bill. Yeah, and I'm thrilled to introduce Jay Zalman is here. Jay, are you, Jay, are you here? Jay. Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm here all the way from Bend. <laughs> now nah, I'm throwing a loophole here, guys. That's not Jay. That's not Jay. That's uh, that's Paul. We got Paul Powell. And I, I, I thought that would be a fun intro for you, Paul. I've got a series of questions for you in a minute, but mostly because we all met you that way. We, were, we all showed up, I believe it was to the 2016 draft. Yep. I could be wrong on the year, but it was the 2016 draft and everyone was like, no one's heard from Jay. Is he, is he going to show like what's going to happen here? And not only did he show, but he brought you. And we were all like, who's this Paul guy? Um, and, and now that I've gotten to know you a smidgen, I have to say like you and Jay, I really want to know the story. How did you get to know Jay and become friends with Jay and find your way into this league? Well, uh, first things first, Jay didn't actually bring me to that draft. I showed up at the draft and Jay did not uh, because he was hungover and he showed up after the lunch break. And I had been told that my role in at least the first year of the league was going to be to help with day-to-day -day roster management and, uh, nothing else really. So we had had one like half an hour meeting about draft strategy and I had no, I was like, I'm just going to follow your lead Jay. So I just did the whole thing on the fly with no research. I I'm so glad that I have the mute button because I would have ruined that whole segment by cracking up so hard. Um, that is amazing. I, I didn't know that. Like I definitely knew he was too hungover, but I, I thought it was planned that you were sort of taking the reins. No, no, he, he had sold it to me as like, this is a, this is a great league. Get in, you know, everything he said was accurate other than the fact that he said he would handle most of the drafting and that he just was having a really hard time managing it day to day. So I would kind of take on the day-to-day -day management and more of a leadership role with the team as we went on, you know, talking trades and things like that. But I was really planning on following his lead. And then he came in after lunch and, uh, started uh, arguing with me about various back-end picks. <laughs> I actually remember that because you guys got Lance Lynn from me. And I remember after the draft, like you guys were both like, Jay was like, that was my guy. And, and you were like, I don't know what he's doing at all. <laughs> um, yeah, but that was a that was a really funny introduction. So how did you know Jay in the in the first place? How'd you guys meet? I uh, just through mutual friends. And then we hung out a lot. We played a lot of poker together. Um, and, you know, then we just started hanging out. Uh, generally, uh, I spent a lot of time at uh, Meridian Pint when he was bartending. Um, and then when he wasn't bartending at other times, too. So, yeah, no, we were we were tight when we were both in D.C. there. Um, and uh, I think it really was a lot through the kind of weekly weekly poker game we used to have going. That's awesome. All right. So, Paul, um, we are psyched that you're here. I know that Sean's got some plans, but before I turn the reins over to him, I did, you know, we, we had always planned that as we brought people on, it would be a really good get to know you for the league. Um, I think I've deduced a number of things about you uh, through email over time. I know you're a big Dodgers fan. I know you currently live in the Seattle area or Portland area. Am I getting it? Uh, Portland. Portland. Okay. And I know you have one child, correct? 
That's correct. Um, so uh, why don't we delve into, did you grow up in LA just real quick? Uh, south of LA, Inland Empire, a uh, little town called Hemet, which I know Becker's familiar with, but probably nobody else. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's out in the out in the desert, uh, other side of the mountains from Palm Springs. So give me your top three favorite baseball players from when you were a kid. Oh, uh, it was Oral Hershiser, number one, far and away. Then Mike Sosha. I cannot tell you how many Mike Sosha baseball cards I had. And then probably, uh, even though his time with the Dodgers was all too short-lived, uh, Ramon Martinez, because he just came on, you know, just like a hurricane before falling off way too quickly. So no Fernando Valenzuela there? Fernando was a little bit uh, before my time um, because I, my, my parents are not sports fans, so I had no one bringing me into baseball. I unfortunately started paying attention to baseball and got totally obsessed with it after the Dodgers won the 88 World Series because so many people around were talking about baseball and the World Series at school. So before the 89 season, I was like, I should probably figure out what this baseball thing is. Got a big copy of Total Baseball, started memorizing stats, was listening to every game on the radio starting in 89. So I missed the 88 World Series run entirely and everything else that happened in the 80s and started on with the... uh, you know, up until this last year, 31 odd years of uh, periodic uh, disappointment. <laughs> yeah, I, it's it's certainly a good time to be a Dodgers fan now, but that's a that's a really interesting story. Like, I feel like we all have the formative, like how we got started story, but to have missed the World Series is painful. Um, so, you know, it's interesting. You've been in part of the league now for five years. I think you joined like pretty quickly after I did. I think I was sometime around 2011 or 2012. Um, did you have any fantasy baseball experience before this league? Uh, yeah, I, I played in my first, uh, Roto league in seventh grade. Um, and I took off, I took off some time during high school. I wasn't playing much then. I tried to run a league a couple times then, but it didn't really work. And then I've been in probably at my peak, I was in five or six leagues back in the early two thousands. Uh, I'm in a keeper Roto league that I, that's been going for 35 years and that I've been in for the last 17 and then I had an AL only that I was in for about a decade that uh, just folded this last season. All right. Uh, well, it certainly seems like you have fit in. Like I can't imagine the league without you now. Like that's like it's five years, but it feels like you've been there the whole time I've been there. So um, you're. Oh, thanks. That's really nice to say. And I got to tell you, with all I've been in these other leagues, but there's nothing as intense as LDB or uh, with people who are as engaged and I've been in some, I thought some pretty intense leagues before this, but uh, nothing compares. Nothing compares. I'm with you on that. Um, Sean, it looks like you want to chime in on, on something real quick. Oh no. I was just going to say on the intensity. I mean, Becker is afraid to have his dad who's thankfully donated this professional zoom account so we could record today without commissioner star, but Becker is afraid for his dad to like hear the level of intensity when we record this and, and save it offline. I sheepishly occasionally tell my wife just, you know, like, oh, honey, can I go step away for an hour? I need to record my fantasy baseball podcast. I'm just waiting for the moment when my extended family hears about this and just starts like ridiculing me. But uh, but no, that, that's all I was going to say. I agree. It's really intense, but we're, we're glad you're here, Paul. And uh, I always find your emails super funny and uh, and witty. And certainly the, the movie prediction, the movie recommendations are, are also very welcome. So, Chris, you ready for me to kick this off? Yeah, just real quick before you do, though, I, you know, for everyone who's who's hearing this, uh, 
Becker called himself a, a baseball dork. I think you used the wrong word, Becker. I think it would have been geek in this instance. I think you I need thought to you be- were going to say savant. <laughs> <laughs> Perhaps. Um, so, Sean, I know you've got a plan, and I've got a plan for you. So I'm going to go ahead and segue over to you with this. He found his aroma like a certain appeal. He could clear the savannah after every meal. I'm a savage soul, though I seem thick-skinned. <laughs> well done, Chris. Thank you. That was, that was good. Um, so I guess we're downwind with the wind today, talking bold predictions. And um, I'm really excited by the participation this year. I know we've been doing it for a few years now. And I think really this started maybe in the last decade with the fantasy baseball community. And now everyone, every site seems to have every author throwing them out there. Um, I, I always love these. I mean, I don't know about you all. When I, when I look at like the, the team division, you know, predictions, like I'm kind of boring. I go to the fan, fan graphs forecasts. Sorry, there's a car alarm in the background. Hopefully that's not too bad. Um, and I just like, you know, I, I plus or minus a bit based on my biases, but I don't do much interesting. But what I like about the bold predictions is it just brings out people's individual obsessions with the player or just some weird thing that they're thinking about. Um, so, so I've always loved it. So what I thought we could do today is spend a little bit of time just level setting on what we define as boldness and then pick a few of the predictions that the league put out there that we liked. Um, and then if we have time, you know, let's call out some people that weren't bold enough, uh, hopefully present company included, like, don't be shy here. Um, but so just with all that agenda out there, um, I thought I would just share one example to me of how I think about boldness. I remember a few years ago, Eno Saris is a, a writer we've talked about previously on the pod, uh, currently with The Athletic, previously with Fangraphs. He did a, a bold predictions, and I remember he, he called out that Bryce Harper would win the MVP award. And I was like immediately taken aback. And I, I wrote to him in the live Q&A, like, you know, what is this? This isn't bold. Like, how can you how can you say a former MVP winner who is consistently amongst the greatest hitters in baseball every year? How can you call that guy an MVP that you're going to predict him as an MVP and say that's bold? I just felt like that that's to me, that's not bold. That guy could be an MVP any year and nobody would be surprised. Um, and then it, it kind of led to a back and forth discussion. And a lot of people thought it was bold because Harper, you know, hadn't been there in a while and, you know, only had four wall, four you know, war or whatever it was. So with that, I guess I just kick it to you all. Um, and maybe we can start with our latest guest, Paul. Um, what do you think about when you, when you think of a bull prediction? Um, I know you've got some bonuses you might share with us later because you didn't write any out yet, but um, what, what, what's your reaction to, to what bold means? Yeah. I, I'm glad you're asking the question because this is one of the reasons why I didn't put anything out there other than just, you know, being lazy and not writing them up is I'm always obsessing about like, is this bold enough? Because we're all reading the same sites as you guys have pointed out on previous podcasts. So I'm like, is going like one standard deviation off of fan graphs considered bold or do you have to be really out on a limb? And then there's some stuff that, you know, I, I look at and that I'm willing to get behind, but that doesn't look that bold to people who are on those sites, you know, I, I love Aaron Savale this year. You tell most people Aaron Savale is maybe a top five guy in the Cy Young race, and they're going to say who? But then you look at the at the Fangraphs site and Paul Spore is saying he's my bold prediction to lead the league in ERA. So is it really that bold if somebody you're reading all the time is saying the same thing? So I, I don't know. I think I think it's tough. I think it's really just uh, you got to get get out there over your skis and maybe put down a marker where you know we've got a lot of people predicting sixty stolen bases. And maybe it doesn't hit 60, but if the guy you predicted 64 gets 50, then, you know, you probably 
you don't get to count it officially, but you get to say I was on that early. You're not going to be disappointed if uh, they do that. I'd give you the bold for Savali, but uh, I don't know how everyone else thinks. Chris looks like he's, he, he has some thoughts on this one. Uh, actually, I, I don't. I mean, not on Savali or whether that's a bold enough take. I mean, I, in truth, Sean, I don't feel that attracted to bold takes. Like, I, I find it a weird exercise. Um, I enjoy that we do it in LDB because I find that some people take it in a humorous direction. Um, and some people just put their, their marks out historically until this year, when you said you wanted to do this particular episode, I, I don't think I've ever written in with bold takes. Um, but I do, uh, enjoy that it's a way for us to, to say, you know, are the projections going too far in a direction? The one that I think star called me out on, I'll, I'll just go there right now. Um, and say, you know, this is, this is how I think of it. Um, I like to find players that were good. And actually the Bryce Harper one that you just came up with is an interesting example where they've fallen off significantly either due to injury or something else. And everyone sort of discounts them going forward. My Kluber take is actually much more about what Kevin Brown did a long time ago. Do you guys remember the Kevin Brown LA season? You, I have two Dodgers fans here. So like he'd been on Miami, he'd sucked for like three years. He basically missed a year with injury and then he came back and he was just insane good. This must've been like, I'm guessing 2002. 2001, 2002, I think he won the Cy Young that year. Um, am I crazy? I'm getting some serious stares here of like- No, that, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. And, and, and nobody saw it coming. So I, I always find that my bold takes are about veteran pitchers who everyone says they're done, uh, finding a way to overcome the injury and come back. Um, and thus my Corey Kluber take. I mean, maybe the problem is that we're forcing people to do 10 or not. I mean, no one's forcing anyone, but like when you have to do 10, it does, it does water it down. And I, I noticed this even with these professional writers, like some of these guys are just, they don't have 10 bull predictions. They maybe have three. Um, but I think our, our, I think the league did a good job this year. Um, and, and uh, Mr. Becker, I mean, you know, I, I think you had some spicy ones, but, but, but give us a little bit on how you define bold and then we can get into our favorites. Yeah, thank you for acknowledging the, uh, the Scoville level of my bold predictions. Uh, a, a prediction is not bold, in my opinion, unless the reader is like, ooh, that's a spicy take. I like it, right? Whether you agree it's going to happen or disagree, uh, somebody has gone out on a limb. I saw, I saw some fun, spicy, bold predictions. I saw some predictions that were decidedly not bold. And maybe we can get into those at some point. But um, no, it, I mean, if, if you're just reading projections and evaluating what you think will occur based on the projections, that's not, that doesn't seem to me to be the exercise. Um, I mean, there's, pl there's plenty of room for, for that discussion. But let's let's get some boldness. I am going to say, Becker, you know, in preparation for this, you have one of my favorite bold takes. Um, you said Tony Larusa will win manager of the year. And I got to tell you, I see no world where that happens uh, because the world hates this guy right now. And on top of that, like, I think he's 116 um, and his team is looking like they're in shambles at the moment. But I give you credit for that take because if that that is you know you went with the Scoble scale on that one I I found that to be pretty spicy. Yeah, Paul, you want to chime in? Yeah, I I actually agree with Becker on that one. Um, I I had forgotten he'd made the take, and I put that in my predictions. I think for the uh, the real world baseball predictions, 
And it, but it's kind of for the opposite reason. Like, I don't, I don't know that he's going to lean into the young dudes. I think the young dudes are going to win. And then it's just such a juicy storyline for so many like old baseball heads to be like, Oh, Tony La Russa, hall of famer came out of retirement and took these young kids up to the next level manager of the year. Yeah. You, when you make these takes and think about something like that occurring, you can't think like uh, Paul Spore or, or, you know, Saris, you have to think like a voter. And in this case, the voters are 55 year old white men who wear jeans from Walmart and New Balance shoes, and they've been covering ball for 25 years. So they know La Russa. Um, and these, uh, let's face it, these awards are often based on narrative and storyline. So the La Russa take, I think, was like the most likely unlikely prediction. It could either it could either hit or it could fail spectacularly. But, you know, I don't think they're going 82, uh, 81 and 81 and it's going to be mediocre. He could be gone by May in which I and I likely agree with that. Um, but I think there is a universe in which Tony, Tony La Russa can lead the White Sox and suddenly everyone loves the old guy. So, Becker, I also uh, just speaking of your takes, I also liked your um, your take on 190 innings. You said that no pitcher will get to 190 innings. I don't know if I agree with you, but one thing I did appreciate about your whole list, and this may be coming from your background as a journalist, is there was a unified theory of the season, I think, to everything that we've been talking about over the last few podcasts. But with these bold predictions and, and your auction strategy and your kind of decision to punt high-end pitching um like you clearly wait i have a theory on this and on the release pitchers i punted high-end pitching yeah i mean what you're clearly undervaluing robbie ray (laughs) okay okay fair enough fair enough no Um, thank you i I think i I would give you a call out for that (laughs) no i i mean again Um, go ahead i'm sorry no 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 go go no, it's, it's narrative driven. And I'm going to put my money where my mouth is. You guys have heard me in the last three podcasts say uh, how few innings I think will be pitched by starters this year. And it's kind of bearing out over the weekend. And like, yeah, I, I think there will be a couple people who go above 190. But, you know, let's, let's make it a little spicier and say nobody meets that number. I'm not letting us leave Robbie Ray for a quick moment because if Robbie Ray returns from protecting his child while falling down the stairs and injuring his pitcher elbow and then has a good season, it is the adult version of Rookie of the Year, and I want a sequel very badly. A.L. Young, right there. It has to be a movie. Like Give we the award. have to see this movie. I'll be very disappointed if it's not made if he actually has a really strong season. The simple yeah, Sean, Hyung Hung Kim. Come on, come on. Go back and look at my roster. You're going to see some gems in there. I had Kim last year. He's, he's good. Um, real quick, I also like Ian's 105.1 mile per hour uh, pitch record held by our oldest Chapman will be broken. That's just a fun one to keep an eye out. And I guess he should have added a bonus, like will that person explode a bird with the fastball that breaks the record? Like I, That's what I would have thrown in personally, just for the extra color. But... Um, yeah, so those are probably my top two. I like Dubner's at least eight teams will carry two HGHs. It's a little nerdy HB, uh, LDB one. 
Um, Paul, what, what did you feel like were the, the best of the, of the best? Uh, well, I mean, my favorite one for personal reasons was the one that I responded to over email, like Jock Peterson. If Jock Peterson becomes a superstar, then I will be extraordinarily happy for the man, uh, even though he's not on the Dodgers anymore. I feel like there are a lot of ex Dodgers that I really want that for. And it's been, it came true, I think for Kenta Maeda last year and hopefully keeps going for him. Uh, and hopefully it's Jock and uh, Kike Hernandez this year. Uh, just guys who had to play part-time roles for the Dodgers because of the way the roster is constructed and how many good players they have who get a chance to shine somewhere else. I can... I, go ahead. No, I... Becker, Becker's talked a little bit about his, but uh, any that's any others that stood out to you? Yeah, I like uh, I like Jordy's um, Trevor Bauer bold prediction. Trevor Bauer is mediocre and has a Twitter meltdown because of it. That's just fun because it combines real baseball and real life, and I, I like when kind of that uh, culture clash occurs. So that was real good. And Ryan had some good ones. I'm trying to pull them up now. Uh, the, the Astros double beamed. The, the punishment tour is not done. The heart of the Astros cheating lineup will be beamed more than double the league average. That's awesome. And I wish I could bet on that. I agree. I, I salute Ryan. I know he was struggling to get to more than four and, and it looks like he just broke out the categories and, and he did a little uh, sub predictions within that. And, uh, yeah, I mean, uh, double the league average. I mean, we can track that very easily. It's gonna, it's gonna be a good one. I, I, I agree with him. I think that's gonna happen. He, I have to point out, since you went to Jorby, he stole one of my takes. Uh, I didn't name Miles Straw, but I did say somebody's gonna steal sixty bases, and I said it was before the draft, and I didn't want to name that I was gonna target him. Um, obviously, we all were gonna target him, but whatever. Um, for you know, I that's why I didn't name him in the in the in the bold take email, and then Jorby actually called it out. So uh, maybe that means neither of us is bold on that one. Miles Straw, what's going to happen there? I really don't know. Like he might end backed up in uh, AAA by, you know, May 1st. Who knows? Um, can I can I cite a couple others? Or you were going to say yep. something? No, please, please. So like there's a few that like this is part of why I find this like gives me a chuckle, but I, I don't take it that seriously. I'm actually going to say two things at once. Like. I, I had a giggle at a lot of Dubners, right? Because some of them feel like, how would you even know if that's a win or a loss? I guess we would know if Joe Biden's first pitch was passable uh, if we saw it, um, but that feels like worthy of debate, right? Um, whereas, uh, uh, what was the other one that he had that I was like, I'm not quite sure. Oh yeah, we all regret not claiming Michael, Michael Chavis. Like, what's the line on that one? Like he has 15 homers and somebody rosters him at the end of the year? Like, I, I don't know. Um, so like in typical, uh, I think bold prediction style, I think the ones that make me laugh are the ones that I just don't even know if they're really a definitive statement. Um, I will call out Matt Starr, who's not here today, um, and just say his four takes are not hot at all. Like not I feel like hot, not, not hot. I, they, they might even have been refrigerated for a while. Like they're straight up cold. Uh, like. When you when you want to say that there are three teams that everyone's predicting are going to be like better than the projections, like that's universally being said, and you you want to say that one of the three is going to make the playoffs, I mean, come on, I, I think that's more likely than not. 
Chris Sale not pitching in 2021, like I think that's more likely to happen than not because the Red Sox are going to hold him back. Um, if somebody asked, asked me to actually like take a stance on that on a 50-50 bet, I would say he doesn't pitch. Uh, the Trevor Bauer one, I guess he even called himself out and said, is this even bold? But yeah, I'm going to I'm going to call you out, Matt. And then we even gave you two weeks to come out with some hot takes and you didn't do it. So I got some more star roasting. Uh, I, I particularly enjoyed uh, star throwing cold water on several very spicy takes, uh, inherently undermining the exercise of the bold predictions 2021. Yeah, I think I think I'm hearing that that y'all think they're garbage. His his bull predictions. Um, yeah, I I agree on sale, and I actually was trying to crunch some numbers on what were the odds that one of those three teams did make the playoffs. I figured it was at least thirty thirty five percent, and so then you're kind of getting to that Paul's thing mathematical approach to this. Like, is it a standard deviation? Like, how do we define this? But I, I agree. I don't think that's particularly bold. Um, it's funny you mentioned Dubner's uh, Joe Biden prediction. I I actually call that out. I don't. I, I may be a Joe Biden homer. Um, but I actually think he will throw a passable first pitch. He he's an athlete. Um, I know he's old. He he just stumbled down the stairs the other day. Thankfully he's okay. But um, I think I think he's going to throw a, a passable first pitch. So I'm not sure. I think it's the boldest take. But um, the other one, Chris, calling you out. This is more my COVID optimism. But I think I think if you had predicted Fenway Park was at full capacity for July 4th, I think that would have been bold. But I'm I'm feeling good about September full capacity. But. If you're going to call me out, I am going to say I had some of the like less likely ones predicting that the Indians are going to lose 100 games. I know a lot of people think I'm nuts on that one. Uh, then I'm going to I'm going to offer you the bet right now, Sean. If you want to put your money where the mouth your, your mouth is, like go ahead and give me the odds on. Uh, you're saying that's definitely going to happen. I think it's not going to happen. Like I don't think Fenway. I don't think Massachusetts is going to come around in full on having a full stadium before the season's out. I'll, I'll, I'll put 20 on it. All right. You got yourself a bet. The first on-air okay. bet, everybody. It, you heard it here. 20 bucks. I'm saying there will be no full stadium at Fenway this year. Sean is saying it happens. Um, what For whatever it's worth, and maybe it's nothing because these are mostly take place in states that aren't Massachusetts, but all the music festivals have been coming out and saying that they're scheduling dates in September. So right at the end of the baseball season, like, Bonnaroo's trying to do full capacity, I think, on September 21st with like four days worth of acts. I, I think most folks are banking on the idea that they're going to be at full capacity for various outdoor events by then. We'll see. We will, we will revisit this. We will. It, it, some, somebody's going to owe somebody 20 bucks. It, and it's uh, forever uh, recorded on Bill Becker's Zoom Pro, <laughs> so there's no backing out now. That's fair. So so, Paul, I, I know you're probably feeling a little sheepish about throwing cold water on people because you didn't put any out there, but I, I want you to, to unleash who was who not bold. Don't be shy. If it's us, it's us. If it's someone else, let them have it. Uh, well, I think you you called out some of those, but I'm trying to see if there's any here that I don't think are particularly bold. I mean, Colton Wong leading the NL in stolen bases isn't particularly bold the guy's fast and he's going to a team that generally likes to run. And so if stolen bases are where they've been normally, I think that's a pretty reasonable person to put up there as the stolen base leader. Um, 
some of the some of the ones that didn't look particularly bold look bolder in retrospect, like uh, Eloy Jimenez leading the league in home runs. That's a very bold take now, but it wasn't when it was made. So, <laughs> but those those are the kinds of that that stuck out. Uh, I wish that I thought that Trevor the Trevor Bauer prediction was wrong and bold, but it is probably neither on both counts. He will have a Twitter meltdown. He's probably going to be mediocre, and I think his ERA is going to end up over four. So, not bold and sadly probably accurate. Yeah, it's funny. I, I decided to go the other way with Bauer and my, my overall predictions. I just took him as a Cy Young. I, I can easily see him being bad, but I also just feel like the Dodgers are super smart and they threw a lot of short-term money at him. And I don't know, I, I, I think he's going to still be pretty good. But yeah, the Twitter stuff is interesting to think about what's going on behind the scenes. How are they trying to manage it? Um, and how much of that was in the contract? I, maybe some of this is already public, but uh, I would imagine that was part of the, the deal. Yeah, I mean, I'll say with Trevor Bauer, you saw both sides of it the other night for anybody that was actually that was watching that game. He threw six shutout innings and then completely melted down in the seventh and gave up four runs before they pulled him after one more out. And that was both sides of Bauer. And I actually think there's a very plausible scenario where he's, you know, the Dodgers knock on something are in the playoffs and he's not starting in the playoffs that they just say you know, we got other guys we're going to go through the first two times in the lineup with and Trevor Bauer's are, you know, a high leverage two inning guy after that. That's a bold take. That is a bold take because that would be a very expensive two inning guy. It it would, but I could absolutely see the Dodgers do that. Uh, you know, I'm not saying he would that if they went all the way through that he wouldn't start any games, but he might be more of an opener than a than an actual starting pitcher. And if he's not starting, then he might be doing two innings. Like that's kind of where that's kind of where I see him by the end of the year, unfortunately. And I, maybe I'm trying to reverse jinx my own team, but. <laughs> yeah, I would see him getting at least two times through the order, which is more than two innings. But, uh, but yeah, that's a spicy take. And I was going to ask you for some bonus predictions. I, I think we can write that one down if you want. Um, that's that, was, that was one of them. So, yeah. Well, I, I think we've covered a lot of ground here. Um, you know, I thought maybe we'd end if anyone has any other bonus that they kind of left on the cutting room floor or if you have an, an LDB related one. Um, Becker? Well, that's, that's what I wanted to ask actually is, is this is only my third year in the league, but how often are the bold predictions LDB related? Uh, those, those seem like fun predictions to make as well. Maybe even next year we can have bold MLB predictions and bold LDB predictions. You know, I think it's really in the eye of the beholder, whether that, you know, whether to do it or not, I, I think we should. Behold, I, I called out one of Doomers that I like. So, yeah. Let's let's do Sorry, it. Sorry, I just screwed that up. I was trying to make a pun, turning beholder into bold. Yeah, I was trying bold to too. Or... I just kind of thank you. Yeah, the audio. Yeah, everyone's on mute now. Otherwise, you'd hear a lot of laughter. <laughs> uh, that's a bold take right there because that is. <laughs> uh, and yeah, now look, I think I, I think it's a fun exercise. I agree. I, I enjoy the LDB ones most. I remember a couple years ago somebody said bold take jeff doesn't have a fire sale by may 1st which made me laugh out loud when i read it. um because jeff used to do that all the time uh and jeff i think is listening to this podcast so jeff we want you on at some point buddy we're gonna we're gonna bring you back uh make it you know make you talk all that stuff sean are you ready for me to to bring this back towards uh i think what we envision being sort of a weekly segment yeah i'm all out of gas you're out of gas all right well i'll take back over then uh, so we're going to try to keep tabs on the podcast on what's actually happening in our league. 
to do so. Of course, we've only had three days of baseball up until now, so there's not really that much to say. But one thing that I envision we might do on this cast with regularity is citing one matchup that we think is kind of the matchup of the week. Um, I think when we were trying to figure out which one was the matchup of the week this week, we, we really came up with three that could have been. And that's, uh, it's probably because we have so many uh, owners that talk a big game and have good teams and, and we just know that they're, they're going to be in it for the long haul. Uh, ultimately, I think it'll be too much to have like, you know, three games that we talk about every week, especially in light of the fact that other segments might include uh, things like who do we think is on a fast track towards the playoffs, you know, stuff like that. So um, we're going to we're going to start this week with either one or two. We're going to see how much time we've got. But I identified that Jeff Jorvie's Fry team against Anton's Poyo's team uh, has to be the play the, uh, the the matchup of the week for week one. My logic is simply out of Ian's power rankings going back to last week. Um, we've got our number one team and our number four team here, and that's definitely the best matchup that we see. Uh, I also think that just in terms of a very crowded iron and oil field, uh, getting an early lead is, is going to be key there. Um, so that's what I came up with. Uh, what do you guys think? I, I, as it stands right now, um, Anton's ahead eight to four. We're obviously only three days in. He's got a, a somewhat, what looks like a false lead uh, is what I'm going to say, because he's ahead by two Ks. He's ahead by ba basically 0.3 in ERA, one home run against um, one VJ. It's really super close. Like I don't actually think he's ahead and he's fairly behind on homers and runs at this point with a six run gap and a three homer gap. Um, so even though it, you know, even though he has the lead right now, it looks like actually Jorvi's primed to potentially storm back a bit. What do you guys think on this matchup? Who do you like? Um, where do you think it's going? I'm going to start with, uh, with Becker cause I have to pick one of you. Yeah. I, I think Jorvi's going to take it. He's got a lot of depth. Uh, Altuve is off to a good start. Meadows is off to a good start. I'd say also that Jorvi made a very wise decision not starting Garrett Richards today. I think he posted a minus 36 uh, MGS. So I, I think that demonstrates uh, some good management skills um, when he could have tried to jam him in against an Orioles lineup. Um, so, I mean, I, I think he has the best team and I think it's going to bear out over a 10 day week one. Garrett Richards should never start for his team. It's like break glass in case of emergency. I mean, look at his rotation. I mean, he just shouldn't, I, I mean, I'm a Red Sox fan. I would like to think that he'll be, have his hand forced by Garrett Richards being good, but my God, just a quick moment of silence for the Red Sox. Oh, and three already against one of the worst teams in baseball, but yeah, no, I, um, I think I agree with that. And uh, just, you know, Jorvi has a lot of good starts coming up still. Um, you know, Anton does have Granke and Bauer one, one more start in Snell. I mean, wow, this is going to be a vicious matchup. It's, I would guess this will be a five, seven, seven, five, you know, at the end of it, it's very close. I'm ready to go back to the bull take segment. I'm predicting a nine, three or better for Jorvi on this one. I just think that with the pitching matchups that he's got left and how, how closely he's, held it so far. I find, I think Anton's going to have to take more risks and that might end up hurting. Anton, of course, is the home team. Um, so that does help him. Uh, I, I find that that strategically, actually, can we have a quick moment on this? Do you guys find that you, you play differently when you're the home team? 
Am I the only one who does? Sean, Becker, Paul? I can't think of any different strategy I've used as the home team. I mean, I guess with stolen bases, maybe. Chris, you, you, I think you have, like, more speed-only guys normally as a strategy, so you might be able to deploy them. I don't think I normally do that, so it, it's not something – you know what I mean? Just because there's so few steals these days. Like, you could see playing a game like, oh, I'm, I'm tied in steals. I don't need to risk this. But other than that, uh, I find really. if I'm the road team and I'm in a close pitching matchup, I'm way more likely to take the risks, assuming that I might lose in a tie on home runs against or case. Right. So like I'll sort of, you know, strategically, I'm probably giving away a little too much of my second yeah. loss here, but like, I, I do think that like, if I'm the road team, I'm more likely to take the risk yeah. of the starting pitcher than if I'm the home team. HRA is for sure. I feel like with K's it's possible, but HRA's and it's stolen bases would be the two that I would think of. Yeah, I agree. All right. Um, I do think, are you guys good to do one more? Can we do one more matchup before we wrap up? All right. Let's give, uh, let's give the union a little love. Um, I think best matchup that we probably have from the union side has got to be star against Nate. Uh, mostly because those are two teams that got predicted to be either in the playoffs or very close to it. Um, I would imagine they would both love to have an early victory here. So Paul, you were relatively silent on the last one. Can I start with you on this one, or am I catching you too much with the with the pants down? No, sure, this is it's fine. Um, I mean, it it does look uh, it looks close right now in some categories, but Star's got a pretty big early lead in some of the rate categories, and he's still got another Garrett Cole start coming. He's got another Corbin Burns start coming. Like it, it looks to me like Star's got a good shot here. The one thing that I would say about the early week here, though, is that uh, Nate might be able to see that and try to protect that ERA and whip. Yeah. Sorry, when I said rate, I meant the offensive rate, and then I pivoted over to pitching. I should have been clearer about that. Yeah, no, because I I agree with you on the offensive side. I mean, home runs and runs are obviously very tight, but the other ones are are further apart. Three days is not a lot. I saw my my lead disintegrate against Mark uh, on OBP, where I was ahead of him by 100 points yesterday and now we're basically tied so like i feel like that those can move faster than you think but i I have to imagine that nate's going to try to bank his era home runs against and whip and claim at least a third a three three on the pitching side here yeah it's early but star's already thrown 40 innings so i mean he's got at least another 40 innings left if he wants but you know he's he's developed a lot of that on the pitching side already in terms of a rate stat Maybe we should do a segment moving forward if we get in our act together of like home runs left on the bench because I'm seeing Randall Grichuk has a home run today, two RBIs a run. Um, so Star, I'm sure Star is squirming right now. He, he's probably got some important Easter plans and he, he saw that and his day has been ruined. Is that the worst feeling when you when you bench home runs? I, I think it's among the worst feeling. I, 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 I got one bench from Max Stadzi the other day and uh, whew, felt bad. So it's disappointing for sure, but uh, it also reflects, I think, if you're going to look on the bright side, that you have a deep bench, that you have guys on your bench who can hit home runs. And over a course of a long season, 20 weeks, that will, it will you'll, you'll win some and you lose some. For instance, yesterday, I almost benched Paul DeYoung and he hit two home runs. So I, I consider myself up plus two, right? That's a guy I, I, who normally is on my bench. So, you know, win some, lose some. That's fair. I think also when uh, when I think of like the worst mistakes you can make, it's the risky starting pitcher. 
you're Matt Boyd, Sean. I know, I know you're a Boyd boy, as they say on uh, the Pitcherless podcast, and you've taken your lumps with him over the years, but you've also had your victories. So, uh, but there's nothing worse than when you, when you bench a, a, a pitcher uh, and then you see like eight innings, 12 Ks, uh, three hits. No, that, there's something worse. It's when you start the pitcher that then gives up eight runs in two innings or something like that. And you go, yep, shouldn't have done that. Speaking as the guy who, for some reason, decided to start Carlos Martinez today. Can tell you it's not great. That wasn't a total disaster, but it wasn't great. Well, as as, as Star pointed out, I calling up Jesus Lazardo on Good Friday was probably not paying attention to um, the the omens there, and he did in fact have a pretty bad start. So Jesus was he was not killed, but he was yeah didn't go well. You ignored thousands years of history. I did. Paul, my family went on a walk today and uh, because I'm a Cardinals fan and Felix is starting to be as well, we watched the first two innings of that game and I was stunned when I came back that it was 12 to one because uh, when we left, uh, Carlos Martinez looked really good for the first two innings. And then I guess things went off the rails from there. Yeah, I wasn't watching the game, but I'm pretty sure uh, my own guys did the damage because Castellanos had a big day. So I think Castellanos took him deep and I ended up on both sides of that. Yeah. Is Castellanos your, your favorite LDB player right now? He's definitely the one I've had the longest, at least in the, uh, in the lineup. Cause I think I promoted him my first year in and now he's a, uh, he's an S four. So yeah, I don't know if he's my favorite, but he's been the mainstay of the lineup. Uh, Julio Urias. I'm glad that hopefully if everything, if everything goes all right in this start, I'll be able to bring him up finally. Cause I traded for him my first year in the league as a, deadline deal i think uh and he's been sitting in the minors since then so happy to have him uh hopefully coming up soon it is going all right in this start i can show you that right now yeah i I didn't bring him up for this because colorado but uh and i'll just wait until the next start you've been admirably patient with arias i mean i know he had some injuries too that made it easy but like i feel like you weathered it and you know you're in my division, so I'm not hoping for too much here. But no, right. I, I am rooting for you there. I think I think that was well played. Thanks. I I really thought about bringing him up in 2019 when I was trying to make that run, and they were you know throwing him out there for two three innings at a time every five or six days, and they were it was really helpful for the rate stats and could have helped with you know get if you're trying to run those minimum innings type of uh, type of matchups and and win the rates. But I I kind of just cross my fingers that there would be a better time to bring him up. And hopefully that's this year. I'm regretting not insisting on him being in that deal for Manny Machado a year ago or two years ago, whatever it was, but that is a story for another day. Um, Gentlemen, I think we've reached the point where we're starting to spin our wheels and, and, and just talk about what's happening literally as baseball is happening in this moment, which might be our sign that it's time to wrap things up here. Uh, as always, I, I enjoy our conversations. Uh, do you have any last thoughts before we, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah. So I just want to say how great it is to have baseball back. Um, yeah, I know the Nats are not playing. I know there are some COVID concerns, but I am just so overjoyed to have baseball to watch. You should have seen me on Friday night. I probably had seven games on between my laptop, my iPad, my telephone, uh, I'm, I'm just pumped. So uh, I'm sure I'm not alone in that sentiment, but really, really happy to have it back. John. 
Yeah, amen to that. Um, I was just going to say thank you to Ray behind the scenes who's been working feverishly on a theme song. Dubner and I and others have been sending random voice memos to each other uh, with like different iterations of LDB and different melodies. So I think we will get that out at some point. But uh, but for now, I think we're going to leave you to the sweet sounds of John. I, I get names wrong all the time, so I don't know if it's Fogarty or Fogarty. But uh, just, before, just you do, before you do, Paul, thank you for joining us. Uh, you're welcome anytime. Um, we do intend to have people, you know, circling through the cast, but I, it's been great having you. Well, thanks for having me. I uh, really enjoyed being on. It's great talking to you guys. And yeah, having baseball back is great. I mean, sending emails, uh, stressing out about the, you know, game two of the Dodgers season the other night was uh, actually very refreshing, even though I was uh, unhappy about certain things in that game. <laughs> Oh, real quick. Here's my final thought, yeah. Sean, before you, you put on put on that music. Did you guys hear that uh, uh, they, there was a little bit of a Oakland roasting the A's uh, where they introduced the team with um, uh, Next Time He Cheats by um, Carrie Underwood as the team came out? I, I thought as the Astros came out? Yeah. And they introduced the team. They made Carrie Underwood's next time he cheats, which I think is just brilliant. I, I, I love it so much. That music director was waiting months for that. You know, oh, it. It's so good. I hope we all do it. I mean, honestly, it would be a really funny thing. That's fantastic. Um, so, and I think that gives us our segue, Sean, hit the music, man. Or I can 